All right. Well, welcome to the Tuesday night music show. This should normally be Mr. BSR, the Brian S. Red Machine, but he's he's unavailable tonight. He's off doing a site inspection for a gig. So you've got me, your ever thankful host. I, of course, Jay Brandon, DJJ from Swing and Temecula, as Brian would say. I've got my great producer, lighting guru, Howie Darkstar is with us this evening, as always. Hey, Howie, how are you? Yeah. And we we're tapping into a music savant from the greatest city wow. on earth, Boston. Uh, DJ John C is with us as well. John, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Jay? Good to see you, Howie. Doing great. Doing great. Um, I think the majority of people that I know that watch this show are mobile DJs and mm -hmm. a lot of them are doing weddings but we do other events besides weddings this year it's you know i've pretty much done 98 percent weddings with a couple of parties thrown in retirement a couple birthdays a graduation things like that but interestingly interestingly enough on the music scene brian and i were speaking he's got an event coming up in a couple of weeks in daytona beach florida mm -hmm. and he contacted me directly about this because it's a little out of his wheelhouse believe it or not brian is a music expert on a different level but he's an expert in the things that he enjoys but also in a lot of things that he may not even be a big fan of but he's luckily dealing with a music genre that i find enjoyable and that would be metal so he has tapped me to give him some song ideas for a show it's a four-day festival called i believe it's called rockville um it's yes. in daytona beach florida mm -hmm. and to give you an example of some of the headliners uh, metallica is headlining three of the four nights the night they're not headlining it is slipknot mm -hmm. some of the backup bands on the headlining stages are anthrax data remember asking alexandria um, a lot of you know what i call kind of new metal which is something in the mm -hmm. last, let's say, 20 years, where the Breaking Benjamins, the Three Days Grace, the Asking Alexandra, Data Remember, things like that kind of came in, where it's obvious that they're heavy metal, but they're not of that 80s, 90s genre. Because I, I view metal as one of these, and there's a great guy named Sam, um, oh, I'll get his name before the show ends, but his name is Sam. And if you've ever seen that metal show where Eddie Trunk and his two partners did a show on vh1 classics for about seven or eight years sam did a bunch of documentaries he's long-haired wears like cannibal corpse t-shirts but he's a documentary filmmaker and he owns a company called banger films and he did a great thing on heavy metal but he broke it down into sub-genres death metal you know black metal power metal old metal new metal then new wave british heavy metal all that stuff so if you ever get a chance to see it i think it's i believe it's called metal the evolution it's really really interesting and it it really expands upon how we look at genres of music as you know morbid angel is heavy metal but so is metallica but one of the two might call themselves black metal and one might call themselves hard rock so i really wanted to not just talk about metal even though i could because i love this stuff but talk about what's the approach when you end up with music that may not be your strong suit. Who do you reach out to? Is it a Facebook group? Is it another DJ in your area? Is it somebody that you know in your market? Is it somebody that you've met at a show? You know, let's let's start with John. Um, you you have an incredible music knowledge, but if you were to run into a, a genre for an event that you might not be totally like, yeah, I got this. What, what's your process to figure it out? <clears throat> Growing up, you know, there was always music in the house. Um, you know, we grew up in the 70s. There was always a variety show on television. You had Lawrence Welk on the weekends and uh, uh, Edie Gourmet and Steve Lawrence singing songs. So that stuff was always, always in front of me. There were always variety shows. We had Donnie and Marie. So... I, I kind of locked in from, from the seventies on is kind of where I started to figure out the breakdown of genres. You know, I bought some, some disco records and bought some pop records and, you know, a few rock and roll records. My rock history probably started 75, 76. 
And then I had to go backwards. I was hearing stuff on the radio, seeing the new releases that were coming out and saving up your, your allowance money to go buy records at strawberries for a, uh, $4.99 for a full-length LP, you know, the good old days when music was good. Um, so I've always had a handle on on pop, on rock, um, and on oldies. You know, I had older parents, so uh, a lot of the records in the house, my father loved country, so there was always Hank Williams playing, Eddie Arnold, Jim Reeves. So I had the old-school country, um, and, he, you know, mom liked big bands, you know, the crooners, so Frank Sinatra, Engelbert Humperdinck. So that was around, so... Growing up through that, I think, is is easier than someone who was born 20 years ago that has to go back and research all this. So that may not be their strong suits. They're like, I've never heard half of these people. I don't know any of this music. You know, so coming forward, um, you know, if you stay pretty current, um, you know, in English speaking music, especially for me, um, there hasn't really been anything to come along uh, that I haven't followed. Uh, you know, I can I can deep dive into the hard rock. I can get in with the best of the rap. Um, you know, the only thing I can't do is speak fluent Spanish, so I don't know what they're saying in half of the uh, Latin songs. Uh, so if that's the case, usually, uh, you know, Facebook forums, DJ groups, um, you know, speaking to JC in Mexico, can you translate this? Is this clean? Can I play this? Is it appropriate? Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's probably the only thing I'd, I'd have to reach out for. I know it sounds good but I don't know what the content is. And that's, that's the risk you run. You don't know what they're saying, you know? Yeah. And I mean, my market, for example, I do a lot of weddings where I play a lot of Latin music and, you know, I always approach it from a mixing standpoint. So I love playing cumbias because cumbias tend to be very, you know, within about a 10 BPM range, you can get about 55 million songs and you can find hooks. And I think people get surprised because they're like, we don't normally hear this mixed like that because I'm trying to mix it. The only thing I've learned from the audience is, yeah, we really, we really want to hear the whole song. So it's okay if you mix the next song in at the end, but don't kind of jump it. So, you know, even the markets had to teach me a few things on the, in that respect. Howie, what, what about you? You've been in the game for a while. You've got an immense knowledge of music. And I have to say before you even answer, if I had to go to somebody nearby me in respects to getting to them online, then I wanted more punk, early 70s kind of rock style that. Howie's the guy to talk to because Howie's got the punk scene on lockdown. Like, it's incredible. So what, well, what's your process? As far as the punk goes, yes, I was doing lights and sound in new york as it, you know most uh, at least the people the followers of the show know and i missed you know a whole era of you know that uh you know that post disco scene and the freestyle and so forth so i've been getting that you know from brian and from you guys here in the chill room uh because I, I would, I was literally working six days a week. So there was no like, Hey, I'm going to go check something out in a club somewhere. Uh, you know, cause I was working in New York and lived in Jersey and the commute, it was just very, very long days. So, you know, just a few years back, I was like, you know, I need to round out my musical knowledge and, you know, the, some of these things are being asked for. And a few years back, we did an 80s reunion party. And so I, I said, well, look, um, you know, I'm not your guy for that sort of dance music. But Jimmy Spin, who is awesome with that stuff, as you know, he DJed and I did the production and the lighting and so that worked well as a team for that but i learned a lot that night and then it was like oh hey i you know i'm digging this stuff and so he turned me on to some of the music and i started buying them up and then as a member of promo only uh i'm able to buy those um the what they call them dvds but they're mp4s now and you can get a back catalog of older music, but it's a video. 
but it still plays in Serato. So, you know, people are going, well, where can I get these, you know, and they're with the illegal stuff and you can get a good quality thing like I did. I, every Christmas I treat myself, I'll spend 150 to $300. If you buy 10 or more, they're 15 bucks a piece. It comes out to uh, 30.3 cents per song. You can't beat that, you know, and they, some of them have, you know, the intro edits. And so that's what I've been doing. And then I'm listening. I'm like, Hey, that's pretty cool. And, and, uh, you know, I practice on Lori and, and, uh, cause she loves to dance. So that's how I educated myself that way. And I'm, I'm getting better. I wouldn't put myself out there, um, right now as in, you know, freestyle or eighties guy right now, but I'm getting there. Yeah. I, I think it's a, it's a growth and development thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I looked over while you were talking at my phone only because I was watching the news this morning in San Diego and at seven 30, they had, you know, a bumper track play and it was a song called Millport by Greg Graffin. And I knew the voice, but it was very folky Americana acoustic-y. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, but I know this voice, this is a great song. And I hit Shazam went to the album, listened to like a bunch of the tracks. And I'm like, man, this would sound great at the right event, but this voice is haunting me. Who is this? So I, sh- I decided just to Google Greg Graffin. Greg Graffin is a Cornell PhD holder in evolutionary, I believe evolutionary biology. Um, you also know Greg Graffin is the lead singer of Bad Religion. And he has a very oh. distinctive voice. Mm-hmm. So now by hearing a literally 10 second piece of music, I'm going to get this because I'm going to have the punk groom bride audience where they're going to hear their favorite singer's voice mm-hmm. doing a mellower folky Americana track during dinner that's going to fit perfect or during cocktail that's going to fit perfect. So, you know, I've got a couple thousand Shazams. I'm constantly going through when I did my 24 hour set a few weeks ago, I wanted to pick up some new house stuff. And I ended up buying like three or four, what I call CDs from iTunes. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, you're looking at a 100 tracks for like $9. Like, you know, I wanted more dark wave for this week. I spent $18 on iTunes and I walked away with 169 songs. I mean, I, yeah, I now have a catalog of dark wave, a genre I didn't know three weeks ago. I stumbled upon a video on YouTube and it said dark wave, cold wave, synth pop, you know, textured goth industrial. And I'm like, okay, you had me at textured goth industrial. What's this? And it's I never going to fit on a divider on the video in the vinyls. <laughs> it's going to be way. No, too. yeah, that's that's not that that's not going <laughs> to be at strawberries. Oh, um, I never I never heard that, that term before until you brought it up. But in my mind's eye, I I was thinking Bella Lugosi's dead and hundred uh, percent stuff like that. And then when you did your marathon, I was like. I was starting to type in nine inch nails when you were playing Bella Lugosi's dead and boom next before I even finished typing, you're into nine inch nails. And I'm like, yep, this is what yeah. I envision be. Yeah. But that's, and that's the beauty of it. You know, with that, there's a lot of genres out there now that, you know, and I think the house scene is probably the most misunderstood. And I believe it was mm-hmm. DJ times, maybe 15, 18 years ago on the cover of their magazine put um, dance music and the hundred genres. And inside they literally had a hundred terms for, for what we call dance music, mm-hmm. EDM, house, progressive house, deep house, tech house, techno, tech, you know, progressive, vocal house, piano house. Like there's, mm. you know, there's a great thing. I did a video years ago. There's a guy named Ishker, I-S-H-K-U-R. 
And if you go to, I think it's just ishker.com, or if you Google Ishker, he has a tree of dance music. And I don't know if it's updated for the newer things, but it used to be where you could go to it and click on progressive house and it would drop down like four or five examples with audio. Mm -hmm. Cause I would argue with people like, yes, yeah, a great house track and it's progressive house. Like, Ooh, you know, it's, it's like, this is a good oyster. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a Maryland oyster. Oh, it's not a point, you know, Bay oyster. No, it's, you know, it's an oyster, but you gotta be specific. Like, well, it's only specific if, you, if you're going to look for the tracks, then you have to know what you're looking for because house is a big category. You know, it's a huge category. It's high trance. Now, and go on. Do, you guys, do you guys know where the term house music came from? If if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's the first place called the Warehouse in Chicago, and it got shortened to just saying house. Well, and that was the reason. The reason it got shortened is it was because of the fans and it was so popular that they were playing that music on a local station in Chicago. And it was the most popular station. So, Hey, where are you going Saturday? I'm going to the house. So they're going to the house to listen to house music. Yeah. And then I get lost after that with all the subgenres. Uh yeah, like is it a blue point oyster or did it come from New England or is yeah. it a Maryland? I mean, who cares? It, it's an know. oyster. Yeah. It's a song. You dance to it if you can vibe to it, it's good. That's uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I did the movement festival, which is an annual festival in Detroit, Michigan, like downtown at someone will correct me in the chat. Um but it's at a famous park, which is like downtown, downtown, right next to the Marriott, right on the river. You know, I want to say it's like Haynes River Park. It's got this beautiful, huge sculpture in there of like that's mirrored. And it was kind of crazy because it I thought it would be like an EDC crowd and it was just a T-shirt and jeans crowd. But they were super, super into techno. And it was a, for even me, this is only five or six years ago. It was an eye opener. Some of the side act DJs that were playing and I'm like, man, I'm embarrassed, but I would have called this a house track. And it's like, no, no, no. And you start to pick up what I call the identifying characteristics of what's the beat doing. Okay. That, that makes this techno and this not, I've played, you know, somebody asked for a techno song one time and I played strings of life. They go, Hey man, I really wanted a techno song. I'm like, this is considered one of the first techno songs ever done. Well, no, I wanted like eats, 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 eats. I'm like, and I found some Richie Houghton track or Carl Cox's track. And, you know, again, who I thought was a house DJ, but he's got some amazing techno tracks. I, I think the open, the open-ended lesson of learning is a constant, you know, we're, we're fortunate to have the chill room because I've certainly meeting someone, as John mentioned, JC from Mexico City, who is a, again, another music savant, you know, I've played stuff from the 80s that I think of it as it's obscure. And he's, he gets it every time. And then when it comes to Latin music, that's obviously his wheelhouse. But he's kind of all over the map. Do you find there's a tendency to go to genres that you feel strongest in, even if you know you should expand out, John? I think we we do. It's a, it's a comfort zone. Uh, you don't you don't push it too far outside because you run the risk of playing something either you've not previewed or you know aren't familiar with. Like like lo-fi is kind of like wasn't really a big category or this like this whisper ASMR type songs with a very very minimalistic beat and very little going on. And people, oh, I love this. It's like yeah, that's that's dinner and cocktail. No one's going to get up and dance to that. No, it's yeah. Party time. There's a space. There's a place for it. You can you can be experimental in those pockets, but when when it's time to release the hounds, so to speak, then you want you want to know what you're playing and have control over your bangers, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Lo-fi is one of those terms that came up a few years ago, and it was mm -hmm. used as an example from a client of what they wanted for dinner. And when I first heard it, I'm like, lo-fi. Okay, why does this sound like it's going to be some ambient chill stuff? And that's exactly what it was. But I think it it really enhances your level of professionalism when speaking to clients, when you can articulate 
what they want back to them. So if they say they want something that's kind of, you know, we're thinking of something kind of mellowish, like, I mean, you're talking lo-fi. Oh my God, I love lo-fi. I used it in college to study. Like, and I don't know if you know this, but there's like probably 18 YouTube channels that do lo-fi 24 seven. It's a constant live lo-fi channel. Because when I went to look for examples of lo-fi, I started getting hit with all these things and I grabbed my kids about it. I'm like, do you know lo-fi? Like study music? I'm like, is that what it's called? They're like, that's what we call it. Yeah, it's study music. Like it's what you put on in your headphones when you're studying. Hmm. Like interesting. I, yeah. I, I think it's interesting how a lot of these terms don't really come out until after the fact like yacht rock yacht rock was not coined until 2005 you know it was originally known as the west coast sound and it was what from 75 to mid 80s but then they coined it as yacht rock in 2005 you know and same thing with this lo-fi like i you know okay what does that mean i mean does that can that encompass music from various decades as long as it's study music it, that's a great point because i will often use terms and i know what i mean mm -hmm. but in my world it's okay for me to say you know i'm looking at the screen as an example lords of acid lords mm -hmm. of acid when i first got into them in the 90s were dance music yeah. And then it was, I started hearing it at nightclubs played between other dance-ish music. And then someone said, oh, wax tracks. So if I say I'm doing a wax track set, you're going to hear Lords, even though they're not on wax tracks. Wax tracks is like Front 242 and My Life with Thrill Kill Cult and things like that. Right. Now it becomes, oh, so this is industrial. Well, ministry to me was always industrial. And I sort of thought of Nine Inch Nails as industrial. And I guess I see how you could call Lords of Acid industrial, but like, where does that leave us with like my life with Thrill Kill? Like they're not industrial. It's harder to pigeonhole a band into one specific thing when it threads together so nicely. Like you, like you say, coming in and out of ministry and, uh, you know, misfits and sounds like that. You can get like the work, the punk scene in, if you get the right drum beat now, right. It's, now it's kind of on the housey edge and then you can go back and swing it the other way to more industrial. So it all runs together. It's just, yeah, no, and it, yeah. And it, it runs together well too at the same it does. time. Cause I, I played the uh, uh, Lords of acid for Lori um, Saturday night and she was dancing to it and having a good time. And um, she said, Oh, who, who is this? I said, Oh, it's the Lords of Acid. And she's like, Oh, that's an odd name. She said, This this is a fun dance, you know, track. So I mean, one of the greatest shows I ever went to in San Diego was Lords of Acid headlined over My Life with Thrill Kill. Mm -hmm. Um Ministry and Hansel and Gretel. And it was mm -hmm. like you let it was the audience was just who you thought it was gonna be. It was a mm -hmm. lot of like latex. It was a lot of, you know, the the kind of fetishy kind of crowd, but it was a great, great crowd, you know, and it's 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 what I learned at my first EDC that when you get a group of like minded individuals together that love a form of music, they're very receptive and they're very open and they're mm -hmm. very nice. You know, I've been to my fair share. I saw Metallica. I take that back. I was supposed to see Metallica on their first US tour on Electra with Armored Saint and Wasp. But when they got to Logan Airport, because it was the same time that Rick Allen had lost his arm in the car accident from Def mm -hmm. Leppard, Peter Mensch, their manager, had not updated Lars's visa. So Lars got arrested in Boston at the airport which meant that the other three members showed up at the channel because that's where it was, John. Uh -huh. And I got to stand and spend about 15 minutes talking to Cliff Burton at the bar drinking beer. So it's one, one of those rare 
never think it's going to go anything. Like, what's the big deal? This dude's in the band moments that you look back on and go like, wow, that was that was kind of crazy. You had Howie with you. You could have hopped on the kit and rifled through a couple of a uh, couple of numbers for the mail. Yeah, that's I, oh, I, yeah. I I've never maintained I can like do much more than like air drum like. <laughs> that, that's, four four one down one that's up, all one i got down. that's all i got yeah as long as they clap on the two i'm good yeah as long as you know they understand that the rules but it, it's funny how i'm finding more and more and more with my clients even for weddings having deep deep discussions you know i think i told you guys a couple weeks ago my wedding the bride and groom are 10 years apart so 28 for the bride 38 for the groom and he's in a punk band and I looked up his band and the bride asked me to get one of their songs to play at the wedding. And they are what I would call very 90s punk. And by that, I mean, you know, Offspring meets Blink-182 meets Lit meets Jimmy right, yeah. World meets, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's that straight ahead, you know what you're getting kind of sound. So at their wedding, I opened the dancing with Happy by Pharrell into Taylor Swift, Shake It Off. And where I would normally go into Outcast, hey yeah, because it's a good mix. I went into Jimmy World in the middle, and the place erupted. So it was that communication mm -hmm. of, what are you guys into? What what do I need to know to make mm -hmm. this a better event? You know, right. I have a wedding this weekend, and they've given me like four songs, and said, you know what to do, you got this, and I'm like, mm -hmm. thank yeah. you. That's a lot of space to fill in between that, four songs. Do you think that the average client really knows the different genres? Because I, I, I've done events where they want 80s, okay, 80s dance music, but they're really into heavy metal. And like you said, I could drop Jimmy Eats World in there and they're just like, oh my God, that is so... and. You know, they just, it's like I'm mixing these three different genres. Um, and they don't seem to really realize. I, do, you, do you think they know what's what? Well, other than basic, you know, well, other, this is metal and this is. Well, we're DJs, we speak the language. Um, we, we can oversell it sometimes and make it more complicated on them. Sometimes less is more, leading them into bands and artists versus descriptive categories of the music they want um mm -hmm. it, was, it was an old sales thing like in, in, in the car business if someone comes in and they're interested in safety in the car then you're going to tell them about airbags and door structure and safety tests and mm -hmm. you know they don't care that the leather's plush or that it's got wheels or a moonroof you, you focus on what's important to them you sell you sell what they want to hear and the same if someone's not interested in safety and you say this car's got Airbags all around. They're just, yeah, I don't care about any of that. I just want to know what the gas mileage is. So you mm -hmm. got to know your client and know what they really want to hear. Um, you know, if you find out a little bit of their backstory, what kind of music they like, what they listen to when they grow up, you can, you can kind of piece it together. You don't need to have. Uh, would you all play uh, crash test dummies in the background while you're selling the car? <laughs> <laughs> I did. One time I did make a compilation of all. Uh, audio-based uh, music. I don't know, in my automobile. Oh, I don't know if we have licensing for that, so I better not do that anymore. Now, I, I get what you're saying. So basically, it's you're going to say, hey, would you like some oysters? You don't have to say, oh, these are Blue Point. Or, no, these came from New England. It's You want oysters or don't you? Your, your folks are going to be there. Your folks are really big in Motown. Do they like Smokey? Do they like Marvin? Do they like the Supremes? Okay, mm -hmm. I've got a, I'll get a set. Where, where did, when did you graduate? Oh, I graduated in 87. Oh, well, we listened to the hair band stuff or the dance. Oh, we like kind of the hair rock and roll. Okay, so some Def Leppard, some Bon Jovi. Sure. Yeah, we can piece it together. We can, right. we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll make the pot, you know, mm -hmm. drawing it out of them, you know, stressing them out that they're trying to remember a song or a, a name or something. But, mm -hmm. but I think there's always that excitement. And it's kind of part of when, and, and obviously COVID has changed so much of our industry. You know, I have not physically driven. I've met with one client in 2021 at a Starbucks. One. Versus 2019 and back. I met with probably 85% of my clients at yep. a Starbucks, at a bar, yeah. at a restaurant, at something. Yeah. And now in my clients in a couple of weeks, like, hey, I'm like, hey, let's, you know, get together this week and try to finalize things. 
and they're local. They're like, great, you want to do a call or a Zoom? I'm like, whatever, you, whichever <laughs> one you're more comfortable with. So there, there is that change and it, the dynamic is different. And I've had to kind of come to grips with like, I don't feel like face-to-face -face is different than Zoom. This isn't face-to-face, -face. this is Zoom. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, I, I've got 20 things going on maybe that you don't know about versus face-to-face, -face, there's a focus. And yeah. I love when you talk to a client and they mention something like John said about, yeah, I got out in 87. It's like, oh, you know, are you the here we go again, girl? Or are you the, and they, oh my God, I love White Snake, but we can't play that at the wedding, can we? I'm like, as a matter of fact, we can. And here's how we can represent you. It's mm -hmm. one of my tried and true rules of doing a wedding or an event. Always attempt, attempt to have your clients well represented because, and I've, I've seen this in practice, if you get a bride and groom who love big hair from the 80s and you do a dinner set that's the mellower side or the acoustic side or whatever side, and they're constantly smiling and you're getting a thumbs up from the groom and you're getting a wave from the bride and you're getting that rave heart and the thank yous, the group will interpret that as you're not only good friends with them, but that you're only there to make them happy. And the mm -hmm. only reason you go to an event, especially a wedding, is for the people that invited you. Mm -hmm. Nobody's ever gone to a wedding and said, man, I'm so stoked to be here and just eat and drink and dance. Yeah, but it's because of this couple. Yes, but I, this is what I want to do on the side. But they, it always comes down to if the couple's not happy, if they don't look engaged, Mm -hmm. You know, I think you tend to lose it. One of the first weddings I did at a venue that I've worked a lot this year, um, thankfully, the bride and groom had met over music. I think they met at Coachella. Wow. So they were so into it that they made each table's name an artist, a DJ, or a festival that they'd attended. So my dinner music went from Dave Matthews to Old Crow Medicine Show to Dead Mouse. Like it was all over the map because they'd been to all these different shows. And famously, again, as you know, you've both certainly said, knowing what's going on in the background is sometimes important. They came out on the dance floor and I have the scooter remix of shipping off to Boston, where you hear kind of Red Foo's voice in the beginning say, mm. if you love Boston, put your hands in the air. Well, the cherry on the Sunday at this particular wedding where the music for everything was going great was after the special parents dances, I decided to drop that and come to find out earlier in the night, they're from Boston. <laughs> so needless to say, the entire event went ballistic on one track. Then I went back into my slower, you know, 100 BPM dance stuff, the, you know, Get Low and Usher, yeah, and all that. And then I'll never forget mixing from Whitney Houston, Dance With Somebody, Sped Up A Little, into Fisher, Losing It. And that's exactly what they did. They just went bonkers over it. I was like, yes. And it was it, it was the right age group. So I hit him with the Eric Prids calling me and Better Off Alone and the launch and Sandstorm and 9 p.m. till I come and that stuff. And they just ate it up. And it's that those nights you walk away just shaking your head like this is the joy that I get every time. Mm -hmm. But it's it's talking to other DJs, you know, and I don't I know. I know you, you're not afraid to put the work in either. If you're, if you're getting hit with the genre, you're a little. Yeah unfamiliar because i i know we talk in here in the uh, late night showroom about all kinds of different types of music and you know if someone said they wanted to do four straight hours of house i could do it but i'd do some homework and i know you're not afraid to do the yeah. same thing if you yeah. dig yeah. in and figure out what was good and understand mm. you know i i don't think you can be as knowledgeable every time i watch these shows you know my wife will have me watch some home show or some cooking show or some something and the way you can tell that the guy's an expert or the woman's an expert is because of the way they discuss things as they move forward. Mm. You know, if, if it's cooking a fish, they, they don't just say, I put the fish in the pan, I put some butter and oil and I cook it. They say, 
This is sea bass. You got to be really careful not to burn this. If you're doing cod, you do it this way or swordfish. Or if you're doing salmon, you can always do this with the skin. That's how I know they're an expert because they're showing me their knowledge base as they go over it. Okay. And I, I've personally found that a lot of great compliments I'll get during, before and after come down to being like you and a lot of other DJs who are willing to put themselves out there as experts on music because that's what we are. You know, we, we deal, it's not just repetitively playing the same songs. It's the old line I got from a DJ years ago about, you've been a DJ for 20 years doing weddings, but have you only done one wedding for 20 years? Right. Like, are you just doing the same wedding week after week after week? And I'm like, no, that's why I'm happy to post a, you know, a gig log because the tracks are different because the people are different. You know, there's, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't even, I, I'm going to guess we have access to what, 30 million, 50 million songs that are out there today. And everybody on the planet can listen to any of them at any moment. It certainly changed. You know, John, you started back in the day, Howie, you're back from the old school as, as I am. I don't mm -hmm. you you had you you had to dictate the event much much more in the 80s and 90s even when i started in the mid 90s coming from 80s bands you dictated the way the music went because you didn't have it well you, and you had was, what you had yeah and guys like us that are true music lovers you know when i first started out i was not very good but i had more music than anybody else you know, I had the music and they were like, oh, he's got the tunes, you know, <laughs> we had to build oh, sets too. It wasn't random. Like, you knew you bought right. that new into the groove Madonna record, like right in the middle of the party. This has to land. So I got to yeah. find a way to get there and then mm -hmm. take it from, from there because this is the big one. This is the one we just bought. This is yeah. going to show that we have stuff that's current. So you yeah. work your way up through the oldies and get into the hit that spot that would break loose the dance floor and then. You'd work with whatever you have. I used to love 45s because you just had such yeah. variety. You still got probably 400 of them. Um, yeah. It was like some, someone comes up once, you know, onto the boardwalk. Yeah, I got that. You bought like all that old uh, RCA collection, right? And you have all yeah. like the rock around the clocks and uh, yep. all those. Right? I got that on 45. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you bring up a really valid point, John, that I think is on topic, but a little bit twist. How are you now at your events as far as what? What's your thoughts on new music? Like, as far as like, you know, you and I and Howie and most people that are going to see this, we went out and got new music. I remember going back not that long ago because I, I personally find at weddings, weddings tend to be anywhere between a few months to six months to a year behind. Like you don't have to play the new hit by Dua Lipa. Today right. you might because the access is so much faster. But a year or two or three ago, you were kind of playing what people knew. And that's what I maintain. If you want people to dance, play what they know. Mm -hmm. Unless you're in a nightclub where they came to hear disco, then you can play anything by disco. But exactly. if, if you're at an event that's a, you know, a standard wedding mobile event, they need to, they need to know. They, they, they do want to hear Earth, Wind & Fire September. And they do want to mm -hmm. hear Usher, yeah. And, and they know these songs. Yeah. But it's, it's pretty... pretty 20 that are you know consistently are going to work their way in somehow to everything but you have to look at what's in front of you and say who's here who, who am i playing to you know i'm we're not just doing a cookie cutter this is the order i play it this is my set list it's the same at every gig right you know? and we'll, we're not afraid to change it on the fly because the, collectively we know a ton about music and we can see if we're a little too much energy and people are starting to fall off like all right let's give them a, let's give them let's take it down about 15 BPM and, and smooth them out a little bit. You know, we can, we can pull the yeah. strings and, and, but and do you it. find that you go. Right. Do you find that you go to more older or newer? Like I find I go to more older than newer. I find people come up to me and request songs that are not, this just came out. Can I hear it? I find they come up to me and go like, Oh, do you have Jimmy Eat world in the middle? Like they're, it's almost like it's a the event becomes almost more throwback so i've kind of given up on trying like i'll go out you know and as howie mentioned promo only pool is great for this i'll get their new audio release their yeah. express audio for that week that month i'll get their mainstream radio so i know i've got the new stuff going forward 
but I find that I'm not relying on that quite as much as no. I'm relying on going back 10, 15, 20 years that people suddenly, because I think it's the memory of music that people have associated with the event and the couple. Right. So I'm, I'm curious. Song, new song isn't going to have any memories attached to it yet. Cause it's exactly hundred percent. And if you get something this month from promo only, chances are that's not going to hit the radio for three more months right. before anybody knows about it. You know, you got to just put it on the shelf for a while and let it marinate till it's like that Dua Lipa thing. I had that almost six months before, and now it's twice twice an hour on the radio. You know, you just yeah. had, you can hear it. You say, "Oh, no, this is going to be big when it when this takes off. We're going to get so sick of hearing this one." I, and, uh, I think the yeah. only the only two tracks that I can look to, maybe three are from two artists where literally the week they came out, DJs were on Facebook, like I'm playing this, this Saturday. I don't care. This is a banger. And it was Uptown mm -hmm. Funk with Mark right. Ronson. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happened with the Trolls movie with Justin Timberlake. Oh, can't, can't fight the feeling. And it was like, literally that weekend dropping them mm -hmm. and people were like, whoa. And I've got a great video from 2014. And I had a young couple who was really into dance music and the week of their wedding, these are the three tracks that they really wanted to hear. They wanted to hear Blurred Lines, which came out that Tuesday. They got mm -hmm. married on Saturday. They wanted to hear Akon and David Guetta um, work hard, which is the Alice DJ Better Off Alone hook. Mm -hmm. And I think the other one that dropped that week was the Daft Punk with Nile Rodgers, um, Get Lucky. Get Lucky. And I remember thinking... Oh, I'll play them, but understand no one's going to know them. And all, all three songs with samples from about 15 years prior. Did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, but see, and that's, that's kind of my point. This is what's so funny to me is like, what's old is new again. Mm -hmm. You know, I pointed out one night in the chat room about Yolanda be cool with dance and chant. And when I first heard it, I was like, Oh, I love this song. And I got it probably two or three years ago in December. I'm like, I love this song. I love this beat. This is so disco. I can play this here. I can play this here. This is going to be in my repertoire. And then I decided to go to YouTube and type in dance and chant just out of curiosity. And there it was from 1979, the original, which just has less production, less bass. You know, it, it's the same song. All mm -hmm. they did was re-release a song. I mean, you know, guys, come on put in a little you know, work there's a there's a small pocket for me as well where yeah there's a lot of throwbacks you know 20 years ago or whatever but then there's that maybe four to five years old songs because maybe that's when they first started dating and that's their memory you know one of the songs i can think of um that was you know requested quite a bit was uh, best friend by sophie tucker you know and that's t uh, 2017 which is relatively new but that's what they remember as maybe their song you know when they were dating and now they're getting married yeah i i think i think there's a lot of discussion that needs to happen and i love that john asked the same question i do when did you graduate high school if right. you went to college when did you graduate college where did you go oh and you know i stayed out here when, and i got out 10 you, years ago. when did you guys meet that's yeah and is there specific because if they don't i get this too as i'm sure you both do you know what are you guys into we're really into everything i'm like okay <laughs> oh, did yeah. you did you meet at a show like is there a backstory to your relationship did you meet at a dave mm -hmm. matthews concert did you have you gone to every you know, where I live is about an hour and a half from a place called Coachella in Indio, California, out in the Indio Valley. And Coachella famously is a music festival. Well, you know, probably, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, they started Stagecoach. And Stagecoach is the country version of Coachella. Mm -hmm. Stagecoach has now, it was supposed to happen in October. Now we're in November, but it got bumped now to April, I think. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where you you can determine a lot by a by people as to 
where did you hang out? Where did, I mean, I remember 20 years ago saying, mm -hmm. do you guys ever go out dancing? Where do you go? What, what, what club in San Diego? And then mm -hmm. the next question was, what do you listen to in the car? What radio station? Oh, I love 93.3. And now it's even better because now they'll say to you, you know, I have Sirius XM and I listen to this channel. Okay, perfect. I have Pandora and I have this playlist. I use Spotify and I do this. And as a side note, a couple of Florida DJ friends of mine, I was asking them where they get their clients music from. And they both said about 95% of their clients send them their Spotify list. Yeah. And I've probably had two clients this year send me their Spotify list. Mm -hmm. And I had everything. But for me personally, I can't trust the internet. And I, you know, oh, I don't, no. I don't need you seeing an iPad with a cable. No, it would know? be a point and of like, reference is I'm what I use for what? Yeah. Yeah, point well, of reference. Spotify list like, too is what do I have this? Yeah, yep, yep. You don't want to yeah. play something they're going to hear every single day. Like, oh, when I work out, I always listen to these six songs. Like, aren't you sick of them yet? Don't you want to hear something yeah. like that, but not that one? You know, so let us be yeah. artists. Let us paint the picture. And <laughs> yeah, take what you give us. <laughs> yeah, play something unique based on based on what you gave us. Well, what we hey, filter hey, through. Before we uh, you close this thing, I I just want you to know I. I I feel a little bit outnumbered here, you know, to Boston guys, but uh, yeah. New York City, greatest city in the world, by the way. Um, I wouldn't argue that. Represented. <laughs> <laughs> I just busting on you guys. I, I wouldn't argue that. I think New, New York City is one of the greatest places ever. Boston, Boston Gardens. Boston Gardens. That's the that's the brick my parents gave me from the Boston Garden when they tore the joint the gardens. down. Yeah. <laughs> and someday if I ever have the the honor and you know dream come true of actually playing at the Boston Garden, I don't care what they're calling it, I will come out and thank the Boston Garden. Because that's the venue that it was the first time I saw Peter Frampton and mm -hmm. um Climax Blues Band, June 15th, 1979. The first time, uh, my first real concert, the air had a certain scent in it I can't place. And I saw for the very first mm. time a young lady two seats down in my row on the floor because my dad got good tickets to Don Locke Concerts, the local promoter. My dad knew. That's why I couldn't go to the Black Sabbath show because Don Locke said, oh, you don't want your kid at that show. <laughs> but two two seats down, a rather attractive young brunette girl who could have been from Braintree or Reading or Stoneham decided halfway through the show to stand on her seat and go like this. And I was. Oh, she was lifting weights, you mean? Yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. I guess the bottom of her mm -hmm. shirt was very heavy. That didn't yeah, happen at the I, Johnny I, and Marie show I went to. I, I, spent, <laughs> I spent the next about week speechless staring off into space and in into what would only be considered a small coma. <laughs> yeah. I literally left there that night going like, this is what being an adult is going to be like. Again, you kids watching this, this was 79. Things were different. Things were different. The inner, the internet wasn't quite what it is today. Back then we called it the library. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, I what I love about this show and love about talking to you two and other DJs in my life is I never go a day without something where there's something new on it. There's some new track. Mm -hmm. It's a Shazam song. It's a YouTube song. It's an iTunes suggestion. It's a Apple Music suggestion. It's and now I've mm -hmm. got XM Satellite. I mean, I'm trying and I did this with Michelle last week. Every Sunday now I just go through and like scroll this way and then hit play. And we got, we ended up on um, the folk bluegrass Sunday is more banjo Sunday. And like every song had a real similar sound to it, but every song was great. Well, they yeah. only have four strings. So, well, you know, you know what? It was either banjo with a mandolin and this, but, but again, my brain always goes to, I'm eventually going to get this person, you know? Yeah. One of the great parts of travel, you know, even seeing you guys in Atlantic City, you get somebody from New Jersey and it's like, oh, I was just out in Atlantic City. Oh my God, I love, oh, I love being down the shore in the summer. Oh, 
you know, where are your guests from? Oh, they're mostly from, you know, back east. Oh, let's do Let's blow the roof off the place for dancing. Oh, my God, they're going to love that because you've got you have an mm-hmm. understanding of, you know, the music and to wrap the show up. It's it's not about learning in the way of a book, but it's about knowing your customer and your consumer and your client mm-hmm. and your friends and mm-hmm. associates better to know what's going to work the next time. Because you can't, as John said, cookie cutter this. This isn't, no. here's what I play every single wedding. Right. There's, a, there's a level of excitement for a DJ. When you get, like the other night, when I get to drop Jimmy World after Taylor Swift and watch a crowd lose their minds, that's a great feeling. And it's, it it's talking it to people and learning. So don't ever, don't ever think this is a dead end job of, I know what I know and I'm done. It's it's an evolution job. You're we keep learning. I mean, you have to you have to evolve. Music changes. You know, we keep learning. We keep yeah. trying to get better. So we, we mm-hmm. don't want the new DJs out there to be discouraged that it's too hard and there's too much to learn. Because even us guys that got a lot of years collectively between us are still learning new stuff every day. And yeah. we're just learning how to apply it and make it work for our shows. Yeah. And ask questions. Yeah. Go to YouTube. I can't tell you how many times YouTube's your friend for music. It really is. But ask me. Ask Howie. Ask John. Come in the chill room. Do Look at the Disc Jockey News Network and realize mm-hmm. the whole point of John Young's network is for us to help people in our industry mm-hmm. do their job, make their money, and be better tomorrow than they were today. And that's all. Mm-hmm. So I greatly appreciate everyone coming in. John C., our special guest this evening. I, as Pleasure always, love you, sir. Appreciate you coming sure. in. I haven't had enough. Um, this is water, of course. I haven't had enough water yet to take a bullet for you. But, you know, I'm probably about four away. Um, Howie, <laughs> a master. If And I'm telling you now, you're going to see my video coming up soon. If you need help figuring out DMX lighting and you're serious, not I have a question, but I need I need a master, a Zen master to teach me in a professional environment because if you're not paying for it, it's never worth it. Remember that. There's two things to remember. If you're not paying for it, it's never going to be worth it. And you always pay for talent and not time. So that's another show altogether. But yeah, look up Howie Darkstar as far as lighting is concerned. Thank you. Zen master. Brian, we'll see you next week. I will be in Vegas, but I will join you guys. I will be at Wedding MBA. So if you're friends with me on Facebook, Instagram, hit me up if you're going to be at Wedding MBA next week. I will be in Las Vegas. And I might even have a guest come in on our Tuesday night show. I think I might know who he is. Rhymes That'd with rocks. That's I all I'm going to so. say. Yeah, I hope so. so. To John Young and everyone back there in the cold tundra of Dish Jockey News Network, and to all of you, we greatly love and appreciate your patronage. Thank you. Stay well. Peace. And we will see you next time.